You're listening to the Pitch Deck Podcast. All right, welcome to the Pitch Stack episode 28. We finally have some news, things to talk about. Some I'm excited. Relatively medium news. I would like I don't want to say it's little news, but it's also like not it's not incredibly Well, actually no, this is a, there's a lot of big news. I'm just underwhelmed by the ban list is what it really what it is. The ban up. Yeah. I did think it was going to be um I did think the ban list was going to be a little bit more uh, extensive. That's literally the word I was thinking. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, so, okay. So I guess at this point, we'll get right into it, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it's interesting, right? So they took a look at the classic constructed metagame and they saw that Oldham, like, gosh, what is it? He ended up, it was like 12 countries ended up having Oldham when they're Nats. Um, and then the next closest would have been Briar on seven, and then Icelander, which took down the U.S. Nats only with five. Um, yeah, so they were like, maybe we should slow Oldham down a little bit. Um, and I agree. That's fair. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe I misspoke. Maybe they should speed Oldham up a little bit. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's slowed down. Slow as roll. But, yeah, well, slow as uh, roll. Speed his game play up. <laughs> uh, so, like, let's just like think about the deck, right? What would you personally have banned in this deck, right? Other than the card that was banned, right? So, I mean, to me, I feel like the uh, I probably would have suspended Crown of Seeds. That's probably what I would have done. And also, for the record, I don't disagree with the choice they made. I think it's a good choice, too. But Crown of Seeds is the, is the defining card for the deck, though. And I, I, while I think it's like an obscene, obscene I was going to say extremely, uh, obscenely powerful card um, in that build, it's like it, feel, it feels like if you take that away, it loses its like identity. That's fair. And then essentially, this just turns into like, cold uh bravo you know um which is not like terrible but it old him really used crown of seeds to pave a way for himself right yeah sort of carve that like his niche into the meta so i don't really know if hitting crown was truly the best thing I would I would have loved to see it go away as as a biased aggro player, but truthfully, it's the card that defined the deck. Um yeah, I, I guess also I think, mean that makes sense. Yeah, I heard some like people talking about Winner's Whale possibly getting banned, but I mean like that's it, it's would not have made as much of a difference as people thought, maybe, and also like that is kind of like the only good weapon the deck has. So if you're trying to use a shield, um, and that's essentially one of the other better items that the deck has. So I don't know. Um, 
but they decided to go with a pulse of Eisenloft ban. So I'll start off by saying the thing that I found most interesting about this is that they just outright banned it. Um, mm-hmm. To me, it yeah. makes more sense to have suspended it specifically because they were concerned with the, the card's interaction with Oldham's hero ability. So I do Correct. find that very interesting that they just outright banned it. Yeah, I mean, there's no other place for it uh, currently, and as far as like the for- foreseeable future, perhaps. So I think just banning it without the like baggage of creating like you know unwarranted like speculation for a future Earth Ice Hero, Earth. Oh, it, yeah, not even it's an Earth Ice, not Guardian, right? It's just Earth Ice. Yeah, it is an ice-earth defense reaction. Yeah, so like if they were like suspended until Old Tim Reed's Living Legend, it's like, oh, well, maybe they are going to make a new earth-ice hero soon? Like, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't think it really mattered ultimately if they banned or suspended it, but I, I think that the banning of it will not considerably, but will definitely help uh, lower his uh, win rate by a little bit because it's just so much value to be able to have a blue pitch in hand and an Oaken with a pulse and already a card in Arsenal or a card to Arsenal and just tell your opponent, hey, here's this uh, here's this time walk and damage spell you can't block. And then now I'm going to sandbag my Pulse of Eisenloft for your only damage source on your next turn or your following turn to double react you with my hero. Yeah. It's, uh, it's brutal. It's very brutal. Well, especially, I mean, I know they mentioned this in the ban announcement that um, even though it's a one of, it actually ends up heavily influencing the game because... Uh, Oldham goes through multiple deck cycles and ends yeah. up being able to pitch that card to their own hero ability, let alone, you know, reveal to Oak and Old and then pitch to your own hero ability all throughout mm-hmm. the game. So, absolutely. I also think that this disrupts uh, Oldham's list because now you need to be a little bit more consistent uh, with your Oak and Olds being able to fuse them. And so it's, uh, it's pretty interesting to me to see what effect this ends up happening on the overall build, which traditionally has had very few Earth cards uh, in the more recent builds. Yeah. Essentially, you would, like, the idea was uh, that, and also, this is coming from somebody who doesn't really play Guardian, or who kind of just doesn't have, like, a that perspective of learning. Like, I don't have the education to pitch stack properly. Funny enough, that's our podcast name, but <laughs> Um, and ironically enough, exposed and, uh, exposed to the elements and, um, I don't have that, you know, I don't have that, uh, a muscle memory to remember this, to kind of these kind of things, but it's like the deck can kind of stack away like Oak and Olds that are pitched and then like blue cards, right. Or even stacking away a pulse. And an oak and old when it's not ready, you know, like, I don't know, those kinds of things when it's an arsenal or vice versa. And then setting up for the next cycle to draw those cards consistently back to back. Right. And if you know that if you draw a pulse and you're like, oh, yeah, my oak and old's uh, one turn away. Let me just sandbag this thing. 
and then wait it because you have there's no downside for you to do that like you might lose a little tempo but you're about to turn the whole tide on them with an old and old fused with your pulse so i mean that's my idea of how it could be used and i'm sure it has been used that way yeah and i definitely think that's what they were worried about um so it's interesting it's interesting to see the card get hit i wonder what this does to shake up the meta um I wonder if this lets like opens up a bit of a window for Phi to kind of come back in, um, which I believe is what will happen immediately. Uh, so we'll see. Um, so the other thing they did was they hit a lot of Blitz cards. Um, oh, yeah. So the first thing I'll say that I really like um, is them moving so uh, Sonata Arcanics to legal and then banning Bloodsheath Skeleta. So... Initially, it was Bloodsheath Skeleta was banned in CC um, with Sarnata Sus- Arcanics being legal. Mm-hmm. And um, suspended in Blitz until Viserai got Living Legend, which he did, and it was unsuspended, I believe, right? Am I, am I incorrect? So, uh, so they outright banned it. Um, well, they just banned it now, but I thought, was it legal this entire time in Blitz for uh, Briar? So, okay, so what it was was Bloodsheath Skeleta was legal but uh, Sonata Arcanics was banned or suspended. Oh. So it was the re- it was the reverse of classic constructed. I understand. Yeah. So now okay. they moved them so that they're in line, which I like. Yeah. And it makes sense. I mean, it, it's kind of like future proofing problems. Um, and just giving Arcanics, a, Sonata Arcanics a chance to sort of like be able to perform in the Briar deck uh, and even in possibly the Shane deck, but I, I don't really see that um but it's possible i mean it's a legal card uh but you know it's giving it a chance to perform in those decks while bloodsheet skeleton essentially acts as a a two block for those heroes uh for for briar mostly uh, shane has his husk uh but also opens up uh potential for abuse with future uh rune chant generations and current rune chant generations with vexing quillhan so i mean I think it was a good choice. Um, yeah. And then Mask of the Pouncing Links got banned as well, which I uh, I think I agree with, but it kind of just totally uh, changes the Benji deck. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's interesting to have a single piece of, like, just one single trigger taking out 25% of your opponent's life total is what they said, yeah. uh, based on it average uh, conversion to five damage. Um, which I think is interesting. I mean, Benji, I, I feel like Benji isn't the prime reason we're seeing this hit. Um, oh, my guess sure. is this is more of an Ira and Phi uh, situation. Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, I, I know a lot of people are upset about budget equipment um, getting banned, but, uh, you know, I mean, this is, this is Blitz. And uh, I don't know. Cards are more sensitive in Blitz. And it'll 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 move around. I mean, I think that it won't stay in that position forever. They might specify spend uh, give it a suspension instead in the future once they decide like what hero um, is the problematic one. Yeah, um, just like they did with Storm Striders. Yeah, that which is interesting to me. Um, this is the first time. Well, no, I guess. Uh, 
I guess this is the second time we're seeing a legendary uh, suspended in Blitz. Um, and I think it makes sense. Uh, it leads to less of the... Um, it leads to less miracle turns. Um, if you which I feel like it, is more of an yeah. Icelander problem than a Kano problem. Yeah, I mean, the problem, as far as I understand, it was like Icelander being able to steal turns away with Storm Striders. Yeah. Where she normally wouldn't be able to. And it essentially just time walks your opponent when you have no like card in your arsenal or blue setup. Um, and it just or it also allows you to extend that turn um, even further, you know. And if you're playing Kano, it just allows you to kind of uh, yeet your opponent uh, when they have like no cards in hand. Absolutely. Um, Which in Blitz is like you're extremely sensitive to that move because of the low life totals. Yeah, so I, I, CC, I it's like a little this. easier to get around. Yeah, absolutely. And CC, it's less destructive. And so I like the suspension quite a bit. I know a lot of people are really upset about it. Um, you know, those people play wizards. So what do you know? Uh, <laughs> uh, it's really interesting that they are now talking about um, that they are going to be using the ban list uh, a lot more for Blitz. Um, because mm -hmm. they they don't design cards for Blitz, they design cards for CC, and so uh, cards can be too explosive. So I think, um, it's, I think it's fair, honestly. Like like you know, Blitz is is not uh, left off to the wayside to fend for itself. Um, not in the same way, like not in the same way that they do sometimes for like Legacy and Magic. If you understand that uh, parallel, where like they'll just print cards and be like, "Oops, breaks the format." Hee <laughs> hee. Two weeks later, it gets banned, you know, and they're like, yeah, we didn't design it for this, but it broke it. So ban. OK, yeah. cool. moving forward, uh, you know, where like Luris came out, broke vintage, broke legacy, was crushing in modern and they had to ban it in every single one of those formats eventually. Um, but yeah, I think designing, focusing design for CC and limited playing conjunction should be the focus. Yeah, I mean, I agree completely. Blitz uh, should be an afterthought. Um, I mean, Blitz is important. Don't get me wrong. Like, people love Blitz. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know. I, I feel like is, Blitz should be an afterthought to CC. So I'm glad that they're, uh, they're doing stuff. Yeah. Um, see, the other thing, the, a couple other things. UPF, they made it so you can't show up with Yorick in official events, which is good. <laughs> Yeah, those people thankfully. suck. Um, uh, <laughs> and then, um, and then we oh. have card legality. Thanks to Young Prism, uh, Classic Constructed is officially adult heroes only, and Blitz is specifically young heroes only. You heard that, kid? CC eighteen plus only. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I wonder if they have now eroded Taipanis to like exclusively count as a young hero although i guess he's not legal in blitz anyway um I, I think he's a young hero that uh that could make sense pretty sure he's young he's typed as young huh. yeah i guess uh yeah i guess that makes sense um so yeah so i don't know on the whole i'm pretty happy with these ban lists um i haven't played too much of the current meta uh but you know to me it looks like i mean i saw the deck that was getting a 
whole lot more wins than the other decks slowed down without being stopped. And I think that's good. Yeah, absolutely. It should hopefully uh, fix some Oldham problems moving forward, but we'll see. At least the percentages, right? Yeah. Best optimal Um, hands to draw. Commoner untouched. Yeah, (laughs) surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. Commoner untouched. Uh, So I guess the other big thing, right, is we got a lot of errata. This is probably the biggest news that is probably shaking a lot of things up as far as like uh, player education, right? Because as judges, like this is something that is ought to be focused on. And that is uh, continuously providing updated uh, rules info for certain updated cards like errata. And we have a lot of errata, um, a lot of errata this time around. Yeah. Um, so the first and the biggest one, right, is everybody's favorite goofy ruling is the Spectre cards and Rune Chance. Yeah. Um, that this no longer works the way uh, it did. Yeah. This is also the first, just divided up in two sections is functional errata and non functional. Uh, for the sake of like cards being adjusted to work a different way and cards being uh, retexted to uh, read the correct way. That they were actually. I guess that's the best way to explain it, right? Yeah, absolutely. The uh, so it's interesting, right? Yeah, I don't. It's it's also there's a there's. It's interesting to me that um, because this never really came up with quicken tokens. Um, I don't know why. Like, obviously, it worked this way, but it just never came up for whatever reason. Um, I think it did. What quicken tokens and spectra? Oh yeah. I mean, I Which like story? obviously it worked that way. I just feel like it was an uncommon interaction. Oh, I would say uncommon. I wouldn't say it was rare. Uh, it's just like you would have situations where you get a quicken token because of you know your I don't know flock of the feather walkers or something, and then on your following turn you're forced to attack a uh, arclight sentinel, so you just shove your Rosetta at it or your weapon at it and then you retain your quicken token for another turn. Yeah. Right. Or in in the uh in the case of ring chance, because that's on this list as well of uh of errata, um, you would have a bunch of rune chance waiting to pop, and then on your turn before you attack, you get Arc Light Sentinel. You would have to pop it with your Rosetta and you would get to keep the rune chance for another turn. Or in the negative effect, where like you're down, where the where the uh, you're low on life totals, it's towards the end of the game. It's a, more of a negative downside. You couldn't pop your room chance. Yeah, you know, uh, so, so I guess it would depend. Yeah, so I don't know. I like this. Um, it's interesting to see what effect it ends up having on actual gameplay. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it makes sense for them to unify rules as much as possible. Um, well, so, obviously in CC, it won't be too much of a thing because, uh, well, Prism is not legal. Uh, but there are a few uh, auras that have Spectra that will still be legal. Don't think yeah. they're played too frequently, but um, I like that they're cleaning it up. Yeah, and making I do too. things work the way they ought to work. Yeah, and so it, the, the next one's a little interesting to me, right? Which is the Zephyr Needle Phantasmal Footsteps. 
uh, trigger on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I mean, not sure it makes I understand sense. it. Oh, okay. So um, essentially, the what happened before is uh, like the triggers. Uh, like it was, it was just like before it triggered when the combat chain closes, and now it triggers when the condition is met. Um, so, so now uh, it would trigger. Okay, so it would trigger when it's defended, right? But it wouldn't be destroyed until the combat chain closes, right? So, like, so the the condition they use is carrion husk with zephyr needle. Uh huh. So, uh, you as the active player, right? You um, you can layer the triggers when the combat chain closes to exile the carrion husk, and then when the zephyr needles uh trigger goes off at the end of the combat chain it sees that it isn't it's no longer being defended by something with oh yeah armor greater so, okay it's totally, around yeah i understand totally now it would be just the the cards would destroy themselves after the chain closes either way but before it would trigger when the chain closed to destroy it now it creates like the delayed action of destroying it when it's defended right like it triggers when it's defended by a card uh, exactly power six or you know or with greater power than it and then Similar to the phantasm timing uh yeah like once it well i guess something like that um so now okay yeah i get it it's interesting though now we've got legendary errata yeah it's not substantial but it is important errata yeah, I mean, we'll see it in uh, History Pack 2. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, for sure. When will they ever reprint Zephyr Needle, though? We'll find out. Um, this one, I'm kind of confused about. I don't know if I read into this one enough, but the next one yeah. is apparently there was a weird way to rules lawyer it mm-hmm. where Blossoming Spellblade lasted for the entire game. Yeah. Um, I wasn't aware of this before. Um, but from my understanding, it was uh, the card was worded in such a way before that whenever you banish that card from the graveyard, it would stay in exile. Um, it's so weird because it was like it would stay in exile if you didn't play it. Yeah, I'm just trying to read it again. Just so I. Oh, OK. I, All right. So. um. Basically, so basically, here was the thing with Blossoming Spellblade, right? Is so when you attack, right, you ban, uh, you may banish a non-attack action card from your graveyard. If you do, you may play it this turn as though it were an instant, and if it would be put into your graveyard this turn, instead banish it. Um, well, that's the updated. Well, so the uh, that's the errata. Oh yeah, that's the errata. Well, what what happened before is there was like a weird gray area where the card was not necessarily banished before it was played. Um, and so it theoretically gained that indefinitely and needed to be tracked. It was really weird. Yeah, that just, it just sounds like, like uh, erroneous typing. Like, it just sounds like an error. Yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was definitely a rules lawyery situation. But um, I don't know what benefit you you stand to gain from doing that. You still can't cast it outside of the turn you banish it, though, right? 
I don't know. I, yeah, says, I've, if you I've been do, pretty you confused may, about this one. You may play it th- this turn as though it were an instant, and if it would be put into your graveyard, instead banish it. So it still didn't change that you may play it this turn. Yeah. Huh. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, I'm not totally sure, to be honest. Um, I don't know. Here, let's, uh, I'm looking at the card. I'm going to look oh, at it. Where's the rod effect? I don't even you, see no, what okay. came. Okay, so the, the odd thing was that, okay, so here's the thing. If you played something, a non-creature, uh, if you play, sorry, not creature, if you played a non-attack card, that stayed in play, right? Or that wouldn't go into your graveyard this turn. Oh, like for an example, aura. Channel okay. Mount Heroic or Energy Potion. Uh, it would still have the ability to get put into um, the Banished Zone instead of the graveyard on a future turn. Okay. That, okay. So this makes you sense. Have to this track, was definitely, yeah. yeah. You would have, to, like, if you managed to keep that Channel Mount Heroic out for a couple turns, and then you have to sacrifice it or destroy it. Yep. Uh, the old way it worked was that Blossoming Spellblade will still read that uh, as being played from its ability and banish it two turns later. But now it's read as though if it were put into the graveyard only on the turn you play it, banish it. Yeah. So on a, fu- on a future turn, af- now the way it works is if you play a Channel Mount Heroic or an Energy Potion and it and it's destroyed on a future turn, it would go back to your graveyard. Yeah, that makes sense. Odd. This weird stuff. It is weird. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, that uh, that makes it so there's less things to track in the game state, which I like. Um, and then really the only other thing is they they specifically took whenever something mentions your deck, they have now changed to its owner's deck. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, whenever a card is placed back into your deck, it's always its owner's deck, which I like quite a bit. Right. Yeah, any any card that would enter, yeah, re-enter uh, a deck goes into its owner's deck. For sure. Absolutely. That's a, a good fixing. Just not necessary for any weird, like, unset magic stuff to start happening where you steal your opponent's cards. Not ideal. Yeah. So the, I guess now we get into the non-functional errata, which is more just um, syntaxing. Uh, this first one's know. interesting because I feel like this would be functional errata, but I guess we can discuss that. Yeah. So I, you know, it's so weird because in my head, like this is how it worked. It's been. Oh yeah, me too. I, I thought it worked differently. It's been so like I I've definitely got to look at the original card now to see what what the difference was. Um, oh, you don't okay. Yeah. See, power evil grace among illusionist attack action cards in the combat chain. Yeah, this is, we're talking about fractal replication here, by the way. Um, so apparently the idea was that it was designed while um, Rule Two Point updates were being made, and it was initially intended to work by copying the cards like the face cards values right 
um, and abilities, not any uh, changed abilities, right? Makes added or added or removed. Which, if you knew about how fractal replication was being played, I mean, this is my understanding: is that you would play, um, you know, the herald that uh, what what is it, what is it even called, uh, Mister Prism Main? Um, the worst herald, the one you don't want to er- erudition, right? Yeah. Um, and then you would you would crack the arm piece that removed phantasm, or you would have the aura that removed phantasm. You would play herald of erudition uh, with go again. And it would not have Phantasm. And then you could play a Fractal Replication and it would copy the abilities of the uh, Illusionist Attack Action cards on the combat chain, including it not having Phantasm. Like, it wouldn't copy Phantasm because it didn't have Phantasm. Correct, yeah. That's not how that is supposed to work. Is and then there was always the... Uh, saying. <clears throat> there was always the cascading Fractal Replications as well. Right. So what they're saying is it copies all base abilities of all illusionist attack action cards on the combat chain. So base as in within, without any modifications. The printed values on the card. So cracking Dreamweavers would never result in a fractal replication uh, played after another card uh, that would not have Phantasm. Oh yeah. What you what you could do, interestingly enough, is play a card that has Phantasm, then crack Dreamweavers, and then play Fractal Replication. And now, when Fractal Replication copies Phantasm from the uh, from the card played before it, it would lose the Phantasm because of Dreamweavers. Right. And so that was like people would misread it and thought that that's how it worked, but they uh, yeah they now made it clear. Sweet, because I have have had that played against me before that way. So I believe I've had that played against me before. See, the other um, the other thing they did is they added oh. like a little text box to fork lightning uh, so to verify it's a single event. Yeah, this is good. I like that one because damage events are extremely confusing. Yeah. So Fork Lightning, of course, used to say just deal two arcane damage to target hero twice. Uh, now it just says you deal. It says deal two arcane damage to two target heroes. You may target same hero twice. And then now they've added, uh, like you said, they added some reminder text effects that modify damage modify both damage effects of Fork Lightning, and Fork Lightning is considered a single source of damage for the sake of things like Skull Cap and AB other AB cards. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So I like it. I think it makes sense. Um, and we have replacement effects that they've added. I like that they are now using instead as a keyword to signify replacement effects. Um, yeah. I'm a big fan of magic words when it comes to like, I don't know, like weird rulings and game rules. So I'm glad that they are adding instead. Well, it um, just creates consistency. And if I don't know, I feel like why, why does Metacarpus still read like a trigger? Oh, what do you mean? Whenever you play a card, you may pay red. That reads like a trigger. But then it's followed by a replacement effect. So it's odd. I don't know why. It just, I understand where it's getting to. Like, it just, it reads like so a trigger. It, 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 so it's interesting, right? So it, it does, it is a triggered effect, right? So the, the ability to pay 
pay a resource is the triggered effect. But then if you meet the condition of the triggered effect, then it becomes a replacement effect. So it's, it's okay. two things at once because of the delayed trigger. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so I don't know. That's pretty cool. Um, I guess I'm, I'm thinking about it in like magic terms because triggered abilities could not result in a replacement effect. Yeah. In magic. Yeah, this is like, it's like a delay, a conditional trigger replacement effect. I mean, they could create replacement effects, but that wouldn't apply immediately until the event, uh, until an event needs to be replaced. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, Morgatide got one of those uh, syntax uh, changes. If you create one or more rune chants and create, instead create that many plus one. I think maybe sometimes people might have been confused, but it was always only just plus one. Yeah. At so least I don't if know. you're ever creating a, a bunch of them. The, um, I mean, it makes, I mean, I think it, a lot of these make sense. I can see this is more just, I think they're trying to future proof stuff. Um, so I will say though, I, um, I'm a little confused by the uh, the erratas to the mentors. Yeah, I'm not sure I understood it too much either. Um, so I guess I they made it the. I don't know. What am I missing on here? Like where I, I don't know. I guess like the more I so read this, if, if I guess if you compare them side by side, right. Uh, they would, at least in the first line of text, it would not. In the first line of text on the originally printed cards would not uh, ask you whether it was face down in your arsenal at the start of your turn. It would kind of just say at the start of your turn, it would just the way it was asked was like reversed, right? So I'm looking at Lord Sutcliffe, and it says at the start of your turn, if Sutcliffe is face down uh, in your arsenal, you may turn him face up. And the errata is, while Sutcliffe is face down in your arsenal, at the start of your turn, you may turn him face up. So the way it words before is that it always triggers uh, even if he's face down. That Meaning it would, it would, the game state would have to create a pause for a hidden card. So it would constantly check even if the librarian wasn't in your arsenal. Uh, I would not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that's the case. But like, since it's face down, it technically doesn't have any abilities. If that makes sense, yeah. Like, how can it trigger to turn face up if it's not already face up to have an ability? Like, there's no hidden abilities in the game, and no way oh. for that to be tracked. Um, okay. I definitely understand the errata now. I had to read so, that so many times. Yeah, it's very weird. And now they've also reworded the full text box because the text, the rest of the text box for the ability would just start with the trigger required to put a lesson counter. But now it asks you to check for that trigger only while it's face up in your arsenal. It doesn't that assume sense. that it's face up in your arsenal anymore because before the card would assume that it's already face up. 
I like that. That makes a lot more yeah, sense. Yeah, it's just cleaning it up, right? It still functions, but now it's cleaning it all up to make sure that this like is, you know, sparkly. Yeah. And stain proof. So. So they eroded mentors. Do you think we're getting more of them in Dynasty? Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to throw a few curveballs. Uh, I'm not sure if I was a big fan of the mentors to begin with, but yeah, they're goofy. You know, they're goofy cards. Yeah. I don't hate them. It's a cool design. Yeah, I know? mean, Minerva saw some play. A little weak to CNC, but <laughs> yeah, but they have good abilities. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, they're they're a cool design space. They're kind of like um, I don't know. They're kind of like Planeswalkers of Magic in a weird way. Right. Yeah, that's a pretty good comparison. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I dig it. So I guess like uh, I mean for official LSS news that about does it but we do have a couple other things and the one that I think I am most excited about is uh and correct me if I'm saying this wrong it's the it's the it's not the titanium gauntlet what's it called the Goliath gauntlet and the I'm Goliath not talking gauntlet. about I'm not talking about the equipment Yeah I'm pretty excited about this I was a big fan of Magic Pro League um, before it became Magic Pro League and, went, and like fell apart. So I'm excited to see Fab having something similar. But yeah, Matt, break it down for us. Yeah, no, they just announced uh, this really cool, and I'm not sure exactly everyone involved, uh, like in the background, you know, all the sponsors making it happen. It seems like 983 Media, the home of uh, the Instant Speed podcast is involved. Uh, Tan and Grace as well. And it seems that they're doing this very large, uh, oh, not very, sorry, not very large, but there's, you know, very grand scale, like 2K tournament with uh, 16 invites going out to the top fab players in the world with $2,000 on the line to play some flesh and blood. So they're going to have a very cool, like, you know, pro players tournament uh, called the Goliath Gauntlet. Yeah, um, there's still more information being put out for that. But this is I'm exciting. pretty excited for it. Oh yeah, we've seen um, the best of the best duke it out, and hopefully yeah. it's streamed. It, it'll definitely be streamed if nine eight three is for sure. Um, and it's cool because it was mentioned a little bit in some of the comments that uh, what really makes this interesting is that this doesn't have to be like shackled by uh using gem for pairings and all of that stuff, right? They can kind of just run their own tournament however they want to with Absolutely. their own rackets and stuff. So now they can, we can actually see like what it would be like for fab. Um, if it were ran on a different kind of like tiebreaker system or draws are valued different. Not that that's going to really come up with 16 pro players. Doubt that anyone's going to time. Um, but you know, just a change of system, right? That could definitely be something interesting to see how that uh, affects affects the games. Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know. I, I think that'll be really cool. I'm excited for that. Um, I don't know. I guess the... Uh, I, it's weird, right? I feel like Flesh and Blood is in this bizarre holding pattern. Um... And I don't know. I guess uh, 
I haven't looked at the spoiler schedule, but I do believe that Dynasty spoiler schedules or Dynasty spoilers are. I don't know why I thought that they started way sooner. Uh, it looks like they're not starting until October 30th. So I feel like we're in this weird holding pattern for the next three weeks. Yeah, you know, it's they're they're keeping the, the lips tight on uh, Dynasty for now. Yeah. So we'll have to wait until uh, pretty much the very start of November to see, start seeing anything, really. Um, and of course, Worlds is going to bring some large uh, reveals and spoilers, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with that said, uh, it is interesting to me that Fab is in this holding pattern because I uh, prices on cards are down across the board. Um, yeah. You can, uh, you can get an Eclipse for $9. <laughs> no way. That is nuts. That is incredible. Um, wow. You can get a legendary for the price of a sandwich. That is, that is what good. is happening. That's great. Doomsday is um, only 16 bucks. Yeah, right. Uh, the thing that's most interesting to me is to see Crown of Providence uh, down a bunch of points. I guess that's because most of the winning decks uh, did not run Crown of Providence, so there's less of a demand for it. Um, interesting. So I don't know. I definitely thought we'd see Striders take more of a hit uh, than it did with the banning. Well, I guess the suspending rather. Um, but here we are, and I believe it is only down. Uh, where am I? Where am I? Where are my notes? Where are my notes? Uh, so it's not even anywhere near the cheapest it's been, um, mm. which I think is interesting. Uh, because it crashed right after skirmish season, and then when Icelander became CC relevant, the demand happened again, uh, and it's kind of in between the two. So maybe we'll see it go down a little bit further. Um, yeah, but you know something else that's dropped dramatically, like by thirty percent, nearly. What is that? Creepers. Yes, Creepers um, is at its all-time low of seventy-seven dollars. Yeah, that's crazy today, to me. Today seems like a good day to buy. Um, Absolutely. Obviously, who knows that? I mean, it's not financial advice, but I don't know. It's the lowest it's ever been. Can't be that bad, even if it does drop down to like 60 bucks. I mean, can't even go lower than that. And then it goes down to $2. Oh, yeah. It's really <laughs> interesting to me to see all of the Tales of Aria legendaries drop, except for Heart of Ice and... Um, New Horizon. I mean, New yeah. Horizon is slowly coming down, but it's interesting to see both those cards hold it over a hundred dollars. Yeah, New Horizon sure is taking its sweet time. Yeah, you. It should be. I mean, in my opinion, it should be an eighty dollar card for sure. Um, so we'll see. Uh, who knows what ends up happening? And then Heart of Ice is so weird, right? Because it like it sees a lot of sideboards, but it doesn't actually see a lot of play and to me the cards use is like it sees a little bit more use than shock charmers um and it's weird to see heart of ice just hold at you know 110 dollars plus you know it's really weird to me yeah understandable so i don't know i mean 
The only other real notable drop we saw is now Arcanite Skullcap is $55. That's crazy. Wow, that is so low. Yeah, I bought one Jeez. for 150 about a year ago. Um, yeah, I remember paying, I don't remember, 130 or something for my first copy, which is like forever ago. Yeah. It was like last year. Um, and then I remember selling another copy, like when Everfest came out, the Arcane, Arcanite uh, from arcane rising that i opened another one i remember selling that for like 115 or something that was yeah. earlier this year crazy crazy stuff yeah so it's interesting to see everything level out um it's interesting to see legendary or fables rather also taking a giant leap um i don't know it's pretty crazy Delusions of Grandeur is all all time low of 175. Yeah. The old Grandeur Valhai. And then we have a all time low on Blood of Jakai at 64. So I don't know. It's a. I don't necessarily think the game's dying, but I think people are bored. Um, <laughs> and so they're just, I mean, people are cashing out after nationals, I guess, um, because there's nothing to do for a month. Yeah, I understand. And, you know, this is kind of like one of those downsides of the current um release formula low release schedule is that you know you have a lot of downtime i mean you end up having like a stable meta right but the downside is that as far as like game interest and like finance goes like there's not a lot of uh interest in i don't know like just waiting for the next thing to see what happens to cards right before deciding to write them off or get rid of them. But it's also the holidays. Don't forget, this is always a downtime for everything. Yeah. So well, holidays, people sell to make money to be able to buy gifts and to, you know, provide for the family. So that always uh, is a factor when it comes around the end of the year. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so we'll see. We will see what ends up happening. Um, I don't know. We're in a we're in a weird spot. So other than that, not a lot of news. I've got to imagine they drop something in the next week or so. Um it's really weird for there just to be this period of nothing. Like that's really weird to me in a uh in an era of constant news updates dropping. I'm sure what, we'll, what we will get is probably like a little story preview. You yeah. Know? I think we'll I get something for like some that. stories. I'm about it. Maybe a Yoji story or yeah. a story about the assassin we'll be getting. Hopefully. Yeah. Right. The one or on Vipox, Vipox, the black spider. Absolutely. Anything would be great. Um, so yeah. Other than that, Oldham wins battle hard in Minneapolis. Uh, which was, uh, it actually, I don't know if you saw the top eight, but it was a really weird one. The top eight was five fives, two Oldhams, and a dash. That's weird. <laughs> Too many fives. Yeah, I feel like fives kind of seeing a new uh, a, a revived uptick, you know? Yeah. You no, know, aggro players going to aggro. I think that's just... <laughs> that yeah, is just the well. way of the world, right? And he's performing, so. Yeah. Very impressive. 
But I don't know. So Matt, I think that about does it this week. I mean, we definitely yeah, we definitely milked all the content we could. LSS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, you know, can't knock us for trying. Yeah, that's for sure. At least we had those uh band band cards to talk about and the errata. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, in that case, same time, same channel. We'll be here next week. Worst case scenario fanfic. Oh yeah. Talk about that uh sweet sweet Reinar and uh uh Bravo fanfic. Reinar old and buddy buddy cop comedy. Mm. Six powers all day. Club and hammer. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> all right, guys. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs>